The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are here in the the end of the first week of November. Uh, the international, or at least neutral, site play has pretty much wrapped up with the Global Series. Uh, we're probably not going to get to too much of that. I uh, wanted to talk some milestones, wanted to talk some absolute idiocy. Unfortunately, uh, for the first time in the show's history, we're actually literally going to use a timer for that one because I don't actually want to talk about it, but we're going to cover it anyways, like good hockey fans. Um, some yeah. what the heck is going on in the standings talk. Uh, and some questions about, and a question about, is a certain player going to the Hockey Hall of Fame? As in being inducted and not just visiting some of his teammates. Well, he, anybody can go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they just go to buy a ticket. Um, where do we want to jump into the store, uh, into the store, into the stories this week? Oh, goodness. I mean, we could start off with the penguins in trouble. Okay, that works for me. Um, and, and and I find it interesting that the penguins are in trouble, and they're just now catching on to that fact. Apparently, uh, apparently they're not living up to expectations, and it's getting them down. That's a great. I love that statement. <laughs> That's in, 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 that's the statement of their head coach. You know, and in I'm like of, of reporting news and full disclosure, and we want to make sure that everybody's got accurate news. Water is still wet. You have a six-plus game losing streak in the beginning of the season. Seven. While Malkin is healthy, while Crosby is healthy, um. While your well, Brian Rust is healthy. Uh, apparently, apparently they're terrible on the penalty kill because they don't have Teddy Bluger, though. They're terrible on the penalty kill because most of the players don't commit to playing defense. There you go. And that's just the cold hard facts. I need one I of mean, them bell sound effects. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> you've got Gensel Rust both playing pretty well. You've got Zucker. Malkin has actually returned to a higher form than I expected after his last two injury riddled seasons. Um, Ricard Raquel probably playing somewhere about expectations. Danton Heinen's at half a point per game and probably, probably throwing darts at pictures of a certain of his former coaches um, a couple of times a week. Um, even Kasperi Kapanainen is not necessarily having a terrible start to the season offensively, but this team is not what you'd call uh, defensively sound. I mean, Jeff Petrie is, in theory, your number one defenseman actually on the ice. Yes. Chris Letang is... Someone we're going to talk more about later. Um, he's a minus seven, despite having seven points through seven games or through 11 games. 
they, um, they are a minus two in goal differential. Yeah. Um, Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari. Well, Casey DeSmith is basically having a Casey DeSmith season because this save percentage is low for him. But he's play. I mean, he's playing backup minutes. He's played four of their twelve games. Uh, he's managed to win exactly none of them. Um, and <laughs> exactly none. Exactly none. Um, no. What the thing is that after Tristan, the thing is that after Tristan Jari and and Casey DeSmith, I I don't know which Casey DeSmith is going to show up because there are times where he has. But I'm starting to get that feel about Jari too, because you last year everybody was, oh Tristan Jari and he had he did have gaudy numbers last year, but now he's back to a 903 save percentage. He's back to 3.38 goals against there, you know. And if it's a team stat, that's fine. It actually makes sense in this instance because when you don't play defense or you don't play good defense, I mean you just point to the Bruins game. They're up five to two. Jim Montgomery pulled the starting goaltender, who was not having a good night. And he really, and he, he was not having a great night. I don't think that all of the goals were his fault, but yes, he was not having a good. But he was not. He was not having a good night. It was a good idea to change goaltenders just to just to do something, just to, to spark a change. Something. I get it. But you're up five to two at that point, and it's mid mid to late second period, and you can't close out the game. They have to bring him back in because the backup gets hurt. So you have to bring in the guy that allowed five goals, and he comes he back. What? He, he 15, slams the 20, door on you. He got what fifteen or twenty minutes of playoff, and then comes back in. And, and he's got a chance to reset his head, you know, and, and he, you know, completely, you know, checked but, out of the game, figuring he's going to be sitting for the rest of the night. So you got a, you got a goaltender who's not really mentally checked back in yet because he got pulled. So he's probably thinking he's done. And yet you, and yet you give up four goals, three in regulation and then one in overtime and you lose the game. There's something inherently wrong there. Absolutely. And let's compare this, the Bruins game with the Penguins, the Bruins game with the Leafs. Neither team has anything like a defense I would want to attempt to win a championship with. I think we can all agree on that. You mean Pittsburgh and Toronto? Pittsburgh and Toronto. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't think what, either of their defenses is. What did Toronto do better last night than Pittsburgh has done in any of the games that I've even seen snippets of this season? They moved oh. their feet constantly. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They were always first of all, they they I think they I think the one thing that Toronto might do better than Pittsburgh and, and it's a might, but it's probably accurate. I think they recognize that they do not have a top tier defense. Because their deep their best defense seems to be constantly staying on offense, moving the puck, moving their feet. They're always on the attack. They it's like they know that if they allow the other team to spend any sort of time in in their in their own zone, they're going to give up a goal. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the historical Pittsburgh model. That's the model that they were playing at when Mario was a young player. 
And yet Pittsburgh isn't doing that. Pittsburgh isn't doing it. And as much as it would be fun to kick uh, Crosby or Malkin or Jari or, or Crosby Malkin, it's not those guys. Their bottom six is useless. As is evidenced by the fact that there's multiple stories out there. If you look it up, saying that uh, the bottom six is terrible. Uh, it's not, and it's not. Bottom. And I'm not saying useless in necessarily in that everyone in the bottom six needs to be scoring 20 goals, like uh, going back several years when who was it? Um, someone they traded out of Boston uh, and ended up popping in 20 from their from their fourth line. Um, but that's way back, even before the lockout. Um, but you look at these, you look at some of these guys and in their own zone, they literally act like Joe Corvos just standing there while the puck goes by them. And it's gross, like legitimately gross. Um, you have to, as a hockey fan, whether I like the Pittsburgh fans, the Pittsburgh players or not. As a hockey fan, I'm offended. Um, I mean, you can't be relying on Jeff Carter to be the best defensive player on your team anymore. The dude is just not. Yeah, he's just not young enough to be up to that lift he, anymore. He can still win faceoffs. He, yeah, he's 37 years old. Another one of the golden draft, and yes. <laughs> a lot of miles on that body. Um, yes. I mean, he's going to crack 1,200, uh, 1200 NHL regular season games this season. And who, and he's probably, he's got to be close to 150 playoff games right around there. Maybe even more. Yeah. 133, uh, playoff games. So a season and a half, an extra season and a half thrown in there. Yeah. Um, and he spent a good chunk of his career in the Western Conference where travel was extended and where, yeah, he won those cups and had 2018 and 26 playoff games in three consecutive uh, seasons. So he really didn't get an offseason for three plus years. Um, you want an offseason? Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that 13-14 season, he played 26 games and had 25 points. Um, that's, uh, that's a pretty impressive resume. Um, and I think it gives – well, we'll get into that later. They're, they're, yes, they're, their bottom six is, <clears throat> well, not good. Not doing much for them. Um, Just not good, yeah. And you, you you don't need your bottom six to be on the scoreboard every night, but it helps. I mean, comparing it to comparing the Penguins to what Boston is doing. Look at what look at what's going on with our boy from Weymouth. Don't they have like fifteen different goal scorers on on the Bruins right now? I something like that. Yeah, I think it's something crazy like that. Like fifteen different Bruins have scored at least one goal. Uh, oh, and the boy from Weymouth. Unfortunately, his streak came to an end last night. But I mean, he had a four-game goal-scoring streak. Yes. And 
that says the distinctly third line, third center, who's playing with depth players. Um, I this team is even more in need of a shakeup than I think Edmonton is or Toronto. Because, yes, Malkin and Crosby are still playing really well. How much are you going to – I know Crosby's terrible at face-offs now. But. They're not elite. I mean, they're not – I don't think that wow. they have – I don't think they're projecting the same energy they did five years ago mm-hmm. in terms of hunger. They may, I, I am entirely certain that they still dislike losing. Yes. But I'm not sure that There's they want to win badly enough to take over entire games. You used to be, you used to see Malkin or Crosby or both together step out on the ice, and you knew they were going to score, whether they were starting uh, with a faceoff or starting uh, in action, uh, jumping on in the middle of play. You could look at them and say, yeah, they're probably going to score this time because they have that look on their face. I haven't seen that look from either one of them this year, last year. Might be even longer than that. Won't say I don't know for sure. Um, it's I mean when you when you're looking at the you're looking at standings, you're looking at at what's going on around the league, and you see teams like Buffalo who are you know, starting to have their resurgence. You see teams like Detroit who are uh, making their moves and starting to have a resurgence. And you look at the Penguins who aren't doing anything about it. It's like at some point you have to let go of Crosby and Malkin. It, 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 you have to understand that they are not going to be around. Your playoff it's not window even so much. Is- tiny but there's still it's like oh we still have we still have no no the problem isn't that you have to let go of them because they're still being productive the problem is is that other players need to step up and say we're doing this with them we're not watching them do it and with the exceptions of rust heinen carter to a certain extent that's really, really what's being said here. I mean, Josh Archibald has three goals with no assists, which means I'm I'm curious about his actual awareness of what's going on around him. Drew O'Connor, who's played only three games, has no points. Um, Ryan Poling, only one goal. Kasper Kapanainen, only one goal. Um, and uh, so looking at those bottom six forwards... Yep, they're bottom six, but I don't know that I don't know that it makes sense for someone to have assembled all of these guys because they kind of all seem like the same guy. They're just not working together. You can't claim that they're clamping down defensively and you have two great checking lines to support the two scoring lines or anything like that. You don't have you don't have a Merlot line that can beat the ever-loving bag out of you and still score a couple of goals. I, I just don't... I don't get it. 
I know a thing popped up fan nation Nick Horvat who apparently we've seen some other articles and the title of it is penguins hope to learn from seven game skid <laughs> well gee and then forget the learning from the seven game skid <laughs> these guys have all been playing hockey forever we're learning that this is terrible the losses haven't been pretty either, as the Penguins have been doubled up and outscored. In the seven losses, they have been outscored 32-16. to 16. Something needs to be fixed. <laughs> Status quo is not getting it done, people. <laughs> okay. Looking at the Penguins roster... Um, we can move half of it. We can move half. You know, you're not wrong there. They're one of the older teams in the league mm-hmm. with an average age of 28.9. Yes. They have Samuel Poulin, who's 21. Ryan Poling, who is 23. Drew O'Connor, who's 24. And everyone else is 26 years of age or older. Yes. It's that's, that's hockey old. Like... There's no getting around that. And as we said, Sam Poulin has only played three games. Well, Their defense actually averages over 30 years of age. 30.4 with only Marcus Patterson and uh, Pierre Oliver Joseph actually under the, th- the big 3-0. Um, they, they only have two defensemen under, under 30. That two. is exactly what I just said. Two. Yeah, two. Wow. I mean, Chad Ruiel, 32. Uh, Jan Ruda, 32. Ryan Dumoulin, probably their best defensive defenseman, 31. Chris Letang, 35. Jeff Petrie, 34. And as much fun as it is to kick this team for not playing well, again, some of you, you have to point at the front office and maybe be a little patient. Why? Half of this defense wasn't here last season. Literally half of it did not play there. That's true. And it takes time for defensive pairs to gel and for defense and goaltending, which is arguably the most important relationship uh, and communication stream on the ice to gel. You've got Jeff Petrie eating big minutes. Um, you've got Pierre uh, Oliver Joseph, who was not only a young player, but I don't believe uh, spent a great deal of time. Uh, where was he last year? Yeah, he only played in four games last year. He's up to 11 this year for a total of 31. So he's he's still brand new. I mean, there's there some of the issues are inevitable with this team. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I think, are legitimate failures of leader of of like of management. And man, are we going to talk about failures of management in just a few minutes? But um, well, the, the 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 failure of management was, and and it started last year, the year before, when when was it Fletcher wanted to move and wanted to move a player and owner and ownership uh, 
read that uh, to be Mario Lemieux, said, no, 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 that guy's untouchable. I'm sorry. When a 35-year-old defenseman can still be moved for decent assets, such as a Vince Dunn, you make the move. And the fact that ownership went in and blocked, which is why Fletcher went, you know what? I'm done. See you. Got to go. Can't do this. If yeah, you're gonna, if no you're gonna handcuff, if you're gonna handcuff me, I'm hitting the big red blow up button. See ya, bye bye. And he left. But it makes total sense. You have a chance to move a Latang and bring in a younger guy, Vince, like a Vince Dunn from St. Louis or whatever the deal was. It, that's the problem of this team is that you handcuffing the guys who can make the moves. It's not just that they don't make them. When they do, when you get somebody who does want to make the moves, you don't let them. That's just stay out of the business. You're the owner. Great. Let the big let let the big boys who make the deals make the deals. What's the old saying? A very very old saying: Players play, coaches coach, managers manage, and owners uh, just screw it all up. Owners screw it all up, and that's the PG version. I just and the turn around and and then they turn around and say, well, you know, penalty kill would be better because they they don't have Teddy Bluger. Okay, Teddy Bluger is a good centerman, not great. Good centerman, good on the penalty kill. He's not the reason that you've lost seven in a row in a row, people. Sorry. No, it's it's a genuine. There are too many. There's too much luggage on this team. Yes. And. People don't like hear, hearing it. There are people who are going to defend every NHL player simply because they made it to the NHL. Yeah, that's bogus. That is so bogus. There, even in even in hockey, there are guys who got there and stopped producing re, way before their careers or the or their age says that they should or their accumulation of injuries. Um, they I they can't be happy that they're third from the bottom in the Atlantic. If you, <laughs> sorry, the only two teams worse than you are Ottawa and Columbus. Eek. I, when I still had time to do hockey writing, I had a regular column mm-hmm. uh, called "If You Asked Me in September." I remember. If you asked me in September, who would have a if the Pittsburgh Penguins and Arizona Coyotes would be next to each other in the standings, <laughs> I would have asked you what medications you had failed to take for the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the case. Pittsburgh has 10 points. Arizona has nine points. Pittsburgh has played 12 games. They have modestly better stats. Arizona and has played 11 games, so. Yeah, I, I don't get it. This t- I asked I asked in a poll a couple of days back if Mike Sullivan was in trouble. I don't think that the, as much as I've just defended some of the reasons why they are having growing pains. Yeah. I think the answer probably should be that he should be in trouble. If not now, then soon. Um, yeah, I put up a poll. Uh, it ran for a couple of days. Um, I just 
Hey, was that the five loss mark for the Penguins? Is Mike Sullivan in trouble with this added to the quick exit last postseason? Yeah. Options were yes, no, and not yet. Yes got 31%, no got 43.8, and not yet got 25%. So those people in the not yet category? Um, <laughs> it, there's, um, there's two more losses now. <laughs> there's two more losses now. And when exactly do you move to that category? Because you're not in a playoff position. We are closer. We're at this point. We're as close to U.S. Thanksgiving as we are to the start of the season. Yeah. Um. When? When precisely do you hit the panic button? Well, you can't get rid of Mike Sullivan because they've won Stanley Cups with him as head coach. So. Oh, yes, there's a lot there. It's in the NHL bylaws. Once a coach wins a Stanley Cup with your franchise, you have to keep them until they literally die behind the bench. They can quit, but you have to keep giving them contracts. It's it's in the rules. Wait, so why is Claude Julian not still managing coaching the Boston Bruins? Um, He quit. I mean, except for the part where he was fired, but he definitely quit. Otherwise, oh, OK. OK. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd be breaking I, I, rules or something. I thought I, re- I I I thought I remembered that's th- that article or statement that I read that said that he didn't want to coach the Bruins anymore because oh stop it oh, I want, can't even yeah. get with a straight face no yeah I I think that it's time Mike Sullivan is if not the longest tenured head coach he's got to be close to the top and I'm not saying that he's worn out his welcome but I'm not even saying he's at fault. I don't, and I think part of it, I, I don't, I don't blame all of it on him. I mean, he's the coach. Uh, take some blame, but I don't. It doesn't all fall on him. Absolutely not. Like I said, I, I blame ownership for muddling around in their own affairs and and screwing things up. It, it's. I mean, he's got this and one more year left on his current contract. Okay. If you have to pay him to be a a super scout for a year, let him go do that because sure. you don't want him landing with another team. There are worse things that you that could happen. Yeah, but you need to shake up this roster pretty aggressively at some point. And yes, you need to get younger. Yesterday, they yesterday needed get, they needed to get younger five years ago. But okay. Um, cause guess what? When Teddy Bluger comes back, he's already 28 years old. He, his next birthday, well, not until next summer, but, um, he doesn't actually make them significantly younger. Uh, and he's the only injury you have. Yeah. He's the only guy out on long-term injured reserve. So this is the roster that you wanted going into, the season as senior leadership, GM and company, you, you don't have much room to complain. You have some cap space. Maybe at this point, yet yeah, even with the tight the tight maneuvering that will need to be done, you might have to pull in some of those younger forwards and give them a try. Uh, on your blue line, whether it's uh, 
Revis Ensons or Ty Glover or Philip Hollander put something in motion, give some energy, give an injection of energy to your bottom six. Eh, or maybe you trade for Chris Wagner and dump a couple of the young couple of other people elsewhere. Although he doesn't make you he doesn't make you significantly younger either, but I think he actually improves your bottom six. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, I absolutely improves your bottom six. I was I was surprised from all of the comments here in Boston from coaching uh, with Montgomery and others that Wagner did not start the season with the Boston Bruins. I do not think this is a Chris Wagner failing. I don't think it is either. I, I mean, I think that there were a couple of, I, I think that McLaughlin played well enough that he could have won himself a roster spot. I think the problem is you got, and that's a whole nother conversation. I think we should actually Contracts go and on. Ca- and yeah. I think we should actually try and stay on track and go from the Penguins and their bottom six troubles to the Maple Leafs and their everything troubles, defensive troubles. We all know they're terrible on defense, but. The Toronto Maple Leafs last night, and I have not seen more than three games from them this season, so. But they don't seem to have changed much um, over the last couple of years. The Toronto Maple Leafs, if they can't solve it with speed, Mm -hmm. they can't solve it. Because their positioning really isn't very good. Their passing was mediocre last night. <laughs> no, look, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. They won the game. I think there were several penalties that should have been called against them. One or two of them fairly serious. Yes. But that's that's any that happens in almost any game. And I don't think anyone was hurt uh, by those penalties. Um, so we'll just deal with it. It's the NHL being the NHL, but. You look at the game, John Tavares was probably their best forward, and he didn't score. Their defense, John Tavares might have actually been their best defenseman, too. Um, Matthews had the two goals Mm -hmm. to take him from four on the season to six which still leaves him only second in goals on the team behind John Tavares. Um, they were on a losing streak for a couple of, for pretty good reasons. Their defense is not great. You're so um, only two of their regular centers are at all useful for forward uh, for, uh, for faceoffs. Um, Zach Aston Reese actually played a pretty solid game, but we all know he's due for another injury any time now. He's basically <laughs> Matt Murray and as a skater. Well, I don't know. He escaped. He escaped the the tractor beam that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. So. They they do manage to acquire a lot of players with who spend a lot of time on the injured reserve. Um, but yeah, I'll just underline what I said about them. If they can't solve it with speed, they can't solve it. 
they weren't really physical last night. Nope. They weren't. There, as I said, their passing wasn't great. They got goals from one guy, and the Bruins are at the tail end of a four-game road trip. They'd won the previous three, knowing that the Leafs had been bad for two weeks. It, and it I wasn't. Hate, it, it I wasn't. hate the expression, but this is a trap game, a scheduled loss. I was going to say it wasn't a te- it wasn't a terrible game. It's not like they got blown out of the building seven to two. I mean, nope, it was a two one loss, and it was a competitive game. You look at Omark and you go, well, he lost the game. He gave up two. He still had a nine twenty nine save percentage, stopped twenty six of twenty eight shots. Uh, you know, you look at, at Samsonov. Apparently, he's changed the pronunciation of his name. It was Samsonov. Again. Now it's Samsonov. Uh Apparently he left the game, which I I missed that, so I must have dozed off. Yeah, he didn't come out for the third period. Um, oh, okay. It was it wasn't even really mentioned in the game until you say I don't remember hearing much about it. So it really wasn't mentioned in the game until several minutes into the into the third. Um, I honestly didn't notice a big deal, a big difference. I mean, one of the surprising things for the Bruins, having had Krejci and Bergeron and Coyle in the lineup, and I suppose you can add Nosek to that, is the Bruins lost the faceoff battle. Like, the Bruins lost the faceoff battle. Bergeron, uh, Bergeron was only 50%. Um... Charlie Coyle lost all five of his face-offs last night, which is shocking. Uh, Krejci was two for two and uh, lost two or lost three and one two, and everyone else was fifty percent. Um, a little bit surprising to see Nosek uh, at fifty percent, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you know you had John Tavares who I said was probably their best player, 67%. And then right behind him, David Camp at 62%. Um, It's not often the Bruins actually lose the faceoff battle. And I would be willing to bet that in a high percentage of those games, they lose the game overall. Um, I, I, I tweeted during the game that I only thought about five of the Bruins looked to be playing above 80% last night. And I don't think I'm wrong. It wasn't a terrible game, but. Matt- it wasn't a terrible game, but what I did notice, and, 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 and it's not just, it's not just the conclude. I mean, there was the obvious, the obvious one you can point to was the second goal by Toronto. There were little mental miscues. Like Lindholm and Carlo, neither one of them getting to the front of the net to cover Matthews on that power play goal that gave them the win. Whatever the mental issue was that Matthews was able to sneak the puck from behind the net and then squirt it past Omar's right arm. The fact that whoever was there jostling with him skated off. I don't know whether they thought they had the puck. There were just little mental miscues last night. I think that they do need 
after the four-game road trip, it being the last game of the four-game road trip, you're coming against a team that's really hungry because they've been losing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's so much a quote-unquote trap game, but I think it was a potential to – I think that it was – I don't know that Montgomery's going to be as upset about them losing this one. It's hard to get really upset over a mediocre game when you're ten and two, when it brings you to all the way down to ten and two. And oh, by like, the way, you're still the number one team in the East. Yeah. Um, but that said, watching some of the players on the Bruins who are finally hitting their overall stride, Connor Clifton. Uh, you you had a you had you mentioned something about seeing him or someone calling him a top defense a, a top pairing defenseman. Uh, uh, no, my, well, my 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 thing was is that a phrase that you ever thought you'd hear, Connor Clifton, top pairing defenseman, because currently he is with Hampus Lindholm a top pairing defenseman, and for the most part, with the exception of like everybody last night. Uh, he's been he's earned it, in my opinion. He, he plays a solid game. He, he's playing his best hockey ever uh, at the NHL level. I mean, him and Forbert were clearly the best pair until Forbert went down. And the fact that he's playing with with Lindholm, who mm-hmm. is one a lot faster than Forbert, yes, and two a completely different style of defenseman than Forbert. Um, and then three, someone fairly unfamiliar because he came in late last year, just before the trade deadline. They had that oh so marvelous playoff appearance. He was the deadline deal. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so it's not like Clifton has played a great deal of games with him or even seen him play and had the privilege of watching him from the bench. But it's, it's a whole lot of fun to watch him. I yes. don't know what the configuration of the blue line is going to look like once McAvoy gets back and presumably once uh, Forbert gets back, uh, assuming that none of, the, none of these four guys are traded. But assume for the moment that your top pairing, the top two pairings when uh, the entire blue line is healthy are going to be what we saw last night, which would be um, Hampus Lindholm and Connor Clifton. And then your other top pair would be McAvoy and Forbert. See, I think they're gonna. I think I think Montgomery will switch him back though. Um, just just bear with for a second. But right, that's right. your top pairing. Okay. The only thing I don't like about that pairing, those two pairings, for whatever reason, and it's been this way since they both start since they started playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, Grizzly and Carlo are less than the sum of their parts. They just don't me- miss, me- um, mesh very well. They're probably better now than they were the first couple of times they played together. Okay. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't know what it is about. But does that mean that that automatically selects one of those two to be traded? Because something has to give. They need they need cap space in order to bring McAvoy back. And yeah. 
this point, there's no way in the on Earth they're trading Lindholm uh, himself. You still got to figure out what. The, well, no, they you know they they're not going to trade Lindholm. You still got to figure out what you're doing with Riley as well. You got Riley Grizz, you got Riley Grizzly, Carlo, Zaboro, and Zaboro trying to fit into two defensive spots. And yeah, but no. I mean Zaboro's Zaboro's contract and Riley's contracts are small enough that they they don't effectively matter unless you're trading them. Either you well, have, actually, Riley's is three. I keep forgetting it's that high. Riley gets three million a year, yeah. Um, and but the thing is, you can't uh, the, even even if they were all making the same, even if they were all making a million and a half, you still can't squeeze four defensemen into two defensive slots. No, you can not keep. When I mean, you you keep one for the sit on the ninth level as an emergency or whatever, but you. I mean, is Mike Riley really – I can't imagine he was thrilled about being sent down to Providence. No, uh, but it, Mike Riley has also not been demonstratively one of the top three left defensemen on the team this year. Agreed. Not when everyone's healthy. Agreed. I'm not uh, saying it wasn't warranted. I'm just saying that as somebody who's played – in the NHL for quite some time to, to be shuffled down to the AHL couldn't have sat well with him. And he, he took it well. He went, he, he accepted his assignment for the time, got called up when Forbrook got hurt. I, I, it happens. Zaboro actually looked, I know. Zaboro does not this. in any way look out of place in the NHL. He looked good last night. I don't like saying it because I want to not, it's like I. It's almost like I want to not like him so that I can like make it easier to move him. But he actually looked good last night. He made a couple of key plays that were like, who made that play? What? <laughs> no, no, no. It must have been the other guy. It wasn't the boy. No, it was the boy. Okay. No. <laughs> I just. It's not that I don't like him. I just don't want to like him to make it easier for me except a move. And I think that. If they did move him, I don't think it's. I don't think it because breaks the we're team. because we're failing him or he failed us or something. I think I think the way he's playing now, he would actually bring back something of value. Whereas I think last year or the year before, if you had moved him, you weren't going to get much in return. He would have had to been thrown into a deal as opposed to. Now you can actually use his name and say, hey, you want to see a highlight reel? The kid's actually playing well. <laughs> but you've got to move somebody. You've got too many defensemen and not enough defensive slots. And I don't think you move Clifton. I think that he's earned what he's getting. And he's He and Forbort were the number one pair if, if until someone, Forbort got hurt. If I were a smart person... Yes. Currently doing Don Sweeney, what what is currently Don Sweeney's job, well, and someone offered, someone wanted Connor Clifton. I'm gonna make them overpay. Okay, fair enough. I don't. I firmly don't believe that any player is untradeable. Some the price of pay, of trading them is higher than what you could ever possibly get in return. Like you can't trade Patrice Bergeron and probably not get torn apart by a mob. It's just. I think if yeah, I think if you, I think if you moved 
Patrice at this point, you better have like round the clock, 24 hour secret service security. Because, because even if it's, it. even if you somehow managed to make a trade that got Leon Dreisaitl and Matt uh, and either of the Kachuk brothers, mm. there would still be a lot of fans. Um, there would be much resentment. Aggressively vexed. Okay. Over the yeah. Idea. yeah. Aggressively vexed. Yeah, that um, would, you'd have to be like ninth level war, uh, warlock salesman type. <laughs> and as multiple moves by the person currently occupying the general manager's job. Uh, yeah, no. and possibly by the person occupying the president's office job. Um, they're not there yet. No, ha- have dictated. These two aren't that bright. Yeah, no. Uh, there's there's something going on with I don't know. Do we want to talk about the elephant? I, yeah, I get. We may as well get it out of the way. I honestly believe that Don Sweeney and and Cam Neely at some point started sharing gray matter instead of having one of one of their own. And started sharing it with like a gerbil, and clearly yeah. they didn't have it two or three days ago, and the gerbil did. Um, yes, it was the gerbil's turn with the gray matter. So while so, he was out, he he was out, you know, solving string theory. Don Sweeney, exactly, yeah. Don Sweeney was not. <laughs> okay, so I am going to tell you what it is we're talking about for those of you who haven't figured it out. Then I'm going to hit the timer. Oh, okay. There you go. I was wondering when the timer was going to get. Um, and you're going to hear the timer. I will give Chris a warning or two before we uh, get there. But earlier this week, Don Sweeney signed Mitchell Miller to a entry-level contract with the Boston Bruins. Now, Mitchell Miller is now 20 years old. When he was 14, he committed a couple of incredibly stupid, utterly vile acts of bullying against a fellow 14 year old um, who was had some developmental disability, developmental uh, disabilities and is a black kid in Northern Ohio. Um, And he was, it's not a question that there was bullying. Everyone is aware. I believe he was convicted of something and Miller has admitted to it. The family says he never apologized to the kid or the family. Um, even Batman has weighed in and basically said what the bleep is going on here. Um, so in order for me not to spend the entire day ticked off and we're going to hit the timer now. Um, and when it's over, even mid-sentence, we're done talking about the topic. If you want to hit Chris up on Twitter, go ahead. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Suffice to say, um, and suffice to say, yeah, I, I think, okay, I'm going to hit the timer. One, two, three. Timer rolling. So here we go. Um, I think this was stupid by the Bruins. It was compound stupid because they didn't check with the league and in fact Miller is not eligible to play in either the NHL or the AHL um, I think that this was a desperation move for a right 
shot right-handed defenseman. Um, and I overall don't, I don't in any way disagree with the anger from fans and even from the players. My question is, given that he was punished, given that he was not eligible to play NCAA hockey uh, because of his behavior, given that he was 14 and anyone who claims that they never did anything stupid at 14 is either a liar or has a terrible memory, it may not have risen to the level of Miller's behavior, but anyone who claims they didn't do anything stupid at 14, I don't believe you. Um, if you can't prove to me that you were in a coma that entire year, yeah, absolute no-go. Um, how long should he be punished for? And Chris? I'm just baffled at the fact that it, it, it says right here, <clears throat> Batman, we weren't consulted. Quote, he's not coming into the HL, NHL. He's not eligible at this point to come into the NHL. I can't tell you that he'll ever be eligible to come into the NHL. End quote. And then continuing. Oh, not not end quote. I'm sorry. If in fact at some point they think they want him to play in the NHL, and I'm not sure that they're anywhere close to that point, we are going to have to clear him and his eligibility, and it'll be based on the information that we get firsthand at the time. So the answer is they were free to sign him somewhere. I don't get it. You sign this kid and then you tried to then you put out a video trying to explain it and said that it, this was very difficult thing to do. No, it really wasn't. You just leave it alone. The kid can't play in the NHL. The kid can't play in the NHL. The kid hasn't shown any remorse. If he hasn't apologized to the team, to the to, to the team, to the in to the individual that he was bullying, just leave it. Alone, there are other defensemen out there that I'm sure would love to have an entry level contract thrown at them. 100%. And here's a question uh, for because I know we have some listeners who are better attuned to the CBA. Um, if he's not eligible to play in the NHL or the AHL, why was the contract validated? Like, any anyone's contract needs to be validated by the league. It doesn't matter if it's Sidney Crosby's next extension or some kid who was or Connor Bedard when he's drafted this uh, next June. If you're if you're signing an NHL contract as a player, um, it the contract has to go through whatever the validation process is with the league. Why was it validated? And I in no way am and, saying that. Sweeney and Neely and everyone else involved are free of responsibility. I'm not even trying to lessen it because I think that this is a stupid move. We all saw the backlash even in Montreal against the Logan Milu signing. But how is this possible? Um, 45 seconds left, Chris. No, I was just going to say, according to, and I want to correct myself, according to WCBB, WCVB Channel 5 here in Boston area, uh, an article out, and it does actually say that Joni Meyer Crowther's 
said that a direct apology from Miller only came recently. A week and a half ago, Mitchell reached out to our son on Snapchat and said, hey, I'm sorry for what I did when we were 14. That's... To be clear, what I did when I was 14 years old was wrong. So that was part of his statement. I don't get it. I just... this shouldn't have happened. Is that's my final statement. This shouldn't have happened. There are other options available if you needed a defenseman. I agree. There's a lot of them going on, and it's not just the 14-year-old version of Mitchell Miller. Don't we have Mason Lowry somewhere? Oh wait, he's in college. Never mind. You could pull. If you made him the right deal, you could pull him out of college. And that uh, sound you heard about 15 seconds back, that was the end of the timer. No, we're not talking about this uh, person named M.M. anymore the rest of this show. Done. Um, Let's talk about some of the approaching milestones um, in the league, um, because some of them are pretty surprising. Um, Uh, let's see. Eric Stahl is at 1,298 NHL games. 1,298, so just under the 1,300 mark. Um, he should hit that this week. Um, get He'll get to celebrate that milestone with one of his brothers. Uh, Ryan Suter, who's uh, fairly well-traveled at this point himself, um, he'll hit, uh, he'll hit the 1300 game mark in eight games. So sometime before the end of the month, you know, at one time he was one of the three or four best defensemen in the league Yeah. and age, possibly motivation seems to have reduced him significantly. Um, but he's still an effective player and, games. Dallas needs him to be effective. They lost Klingberg and they don't have, I mean, they've got Essel and Dell and they've got Miro Heiskanen, but yeah, they need him to be effective. Um, and that one's, that one, uh, that one is somewhat surprising, but honestly, I was nearly flabbergasted to realize how long, uh, the next player has been in the league. It helps <laughs> that he plays in the Western Conference, so I don't see him very often uh, mm-hmm. unless I stay up late. Um, Connor McDavid will, in his next game, will play his 500th NHL game. 500. It doesn't feel like he's been in the league that long. I mean, even allowing for the COVID times, which have messed up my sense of time scale and Probably it will never come back. It doesn't feel like he's been in the league that long. I mean, I look at his stats, I look at his history, and sure, he's been in the league that long, but it doesn't feel that way. No, it doesn't. I mean, the fact that he's 25, I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember when 18 drafted number one overall, I mean, seven years. Yeah. He entered the league in the season. This is his eighth year in the league. And man, have fans been robbed of some really good hockey from 
some really great players. I mean, you look at his career, you look at Leon Dreisaitl, you look at the Kachuk brothers, um, even David Pasternak and Jason Robertson and all of the COVID games that were lost. You're just not going to get back. I mean, it might extend some of their careers another year or two, but you're talking about you're talking about hockey at 36 as opposed to hockey at 23. Yeah. Um, slightly faster, probably slightly quicker hands. Probably. I'm not saying that Connor McDavid's going to fall off the face of the earth. I'm just saying that what you didn't get to see of Connor McDavid at 23-24. I mean, just yes, take you that may get to see 20 season. You may get to see him at 36-37. Yeah. That 19-20 season was almost certainly another a third 40-plus goal season in a row. Mm-hmm. He only got in 64 games because of the pause. Pause him. Um, and then even last year or year before last, the 2021 season, 33 goals in 56 games. That probably is another 40 goal game, a uh, 40 goal season. And he returns to the full schedule last year with 44 goals in 80 games. Um, And what has to be his playoff coming out party with. And this is the most 1980s hockey number I have said on this show. I'm not (laughs) actually talking about someone playing in the 1980s. Okay. Over two points per game in the playoffs. He played 16 games. Mm-hmm. He had 33 points. That's yes, over two points per that's game. How, that's how math works. Yeah. When was the last time you saw someone play more than 10 games in the playoffs and get two points per game? Maybe the late nine, maybe early or middle 90s. Not any time recent, more recent. I have to do a little research, but yeah, two points per game is a gaudy number to hit. So it's it's baffling that it exists. Yes, especially when you consider how many how injured like Darnell Nurse and Leon Draisaitl were in those playoffs, so the defenders could concentrate on him. Yes, Evander Kane was playing some gorgeous hockey himself. Yes, he was. Um. Did he not score a goal in like every playoff game? Pretty close to it. Something, Uh, something, something crazy like that. There was something crazy that Evander was doing. Like he was the only one that had scored in every game. It was like, uh, okay, and everybody says this guy is terrible. This guy is done. This guy shouldn't be in the league. This guy. Yeah, sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> and and despite the injuries, Leon Dreisaitl was at exactly two points per game in the not, playoffs last year. Again, not shocked. Would you like any? Would you like a multiple number of guesses as to who number one and two in the NHL are right now? <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's um, Brian Rust and Logan Malou. Okay, we didn't talk about Logan Mayu, but uh, no, he's actually been loaned back to the London Knights. Yeah, no, Jordan obviously. Stall and Cop. 
Yes, obviously it's McDavid and Dreisaitl. I find it interesting that Pasternak is third in, in, in scoring, and that's great. But tied with Pasternak, and I can't believe that they didn't offer this guy a contract a lot sooner, but they kind of just sat and went, yeah, you know, Jason Robertson tied for third in points. And Dallas was just like sitting there like, yeah, we're not going to bother signing him. Sure. Wake up, people. That's one I don't get. And <laughs> on the goals front. There, oh, speaking of goals, yeah. There is actually more going on than Ovechkin's uh, chase for the top of the pile. Um, 14 to catch Gordie Howe. Yeah, yeah. John Tavares. <laughs> John Tavares is at 398 goals, and the odds of him not hitting 400 before the end of the month, especially given the way he's playing right now, pretty G-dang low. Yeah. Blake Wheeler, uh, who's out in those beleaguered Jets, um, he's at 299 uh, career goals. Um, So I would say make sure you watch his next three games because I'm pretty certain he'd like to cross that line as soon as possible. Um, Out of the way, yeah, usually milestone goals for some reason become – I don't know if it's all a mental game or part, just part of mental game, but yeah. It's, they get in people's heads, yeah. And Winnipeg is actually in second place in the division right now, which I find almost as confusing as the New Jersey Devils leading their division. <laughs> really? Even allowing for the fact that I don't consider... Well, no, actually, the Central is a reasonable division, but we can we can talk more about that next week. Um, With Chicago. Um, and then Alex Ovechkin just hit the record for most goals with a single team at 787. So there is one thing he's actually passed Gretzky on. Yep. And for those keeping track at home... Uh, he needs 108 more goals to top the list of all-time goal scorers uh, in the NHL. 108. Let's see. That's a career for, like, an average fourth-line player. <laughs> and for Ovechkin, we're really expecting him to do that in this season, one more full season, and basically half of the season after that. I, I I have to be honest. I don't know how many he currently has this season. Uh, this so. season, he has seven goals in 13 games. So half a goal, slightly over half a goal per game. 11 oh. points in those 13 games. He's played 1,287 games, so he'll pass 1,300. Oh, gosh. December? Just right around the new year? Yeah. Damn. Um, another one of those guys who's been in the league forever, and also we've been deprived of good hockey because there was the full lockout year, and there's been there was the 2012 48 game season, yeah, and then the two COVID years. I mean, uh, just I, I mean we're asking Ovi to play another this year and another two two full years would be my 37 uh to break the record so he's gonna break the record when he's 40 39 something like that yeah 
and I know and that's got to be driving him. I mean, I can't if he's not thinking about it, he's lying. It OK, I would say it's a driver. I would not say it's the driver, although given how um, underperforming the team is, yes. we're going to be generous and nice and polite. Um, I, I think that part of it is he really, 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 really wants to leave the league remembering how good Russian players can be even years after he's gone. Because let's, I mean, if you look at the other players in the league today, who do you think actually has the potential to even get within 150 goals of him should he pass that, should he hit the top? Is that a trick question? I mean, McDavid maybe? No, 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 it's a serious question. I can't think of anyone. No. And I'm not, and I'm not being disrespectful to um, McDavid or Matthews or pick the next guy on your list, or even even uh, you know the two kids we were just talking about, Pasternak and Robertson. The combination of winning the genetic lottery, so physical durability, raw athletic talent. Um, luck, like sheer dumb luck in who your teammates end up being, uh, who you're, uh, you know, what injuries you end up getting and not getting and illnesses you end up getting and not getting, plus that raw goal scoring ability. It's not a combination that you're going to see every generation. Certainly not twice every generation. I mean, Gretzky has been out of the league for 25, 30 years, 35 years. And we're just now getting to the point where someone is going to pass it. Yeah, genetic lottery. His, it, it's amazing because he's missed his lowest number of games. That's 10 games. He missed 10 games in the 9-10 season. He played only 72. I mean... It, it, but he's got 82, 82, 81, 79, 81. It's actually only been 24 years, uh, or just under 24 years. April 18th, 1999, Wayne Gretzky's last NHL game. Wow. I didn't realize it was that close. I thought it was longer than that. I mean, using Gretzky standards, his last two or three NHL seasons were not necessarily great. No. Uh, which is why he retired. I mean, he he hated the fact that he had to retire. This is we're going to see the same sort of press conference from Ovechkin when he has to retire, assuming he addresses fans at all. Um, I mean, his last season he had 62 points with only nine games, uh, nine goals in 70 games, which is ridiculously low for the standards of a guy who had a 215 point season. Um. And the two the two years before that uh, were, you know, he played all 82 games, but, you know, 90 and 97 points, which were very, very good by a normal player standards. Barely worth remembering by, by Gretzky's standards. 
You ever just scrolled through Ovechkin's stats? Guy's ridiculous. He is. And the other the other elephant in the room, uh, in terms of him being who he is, what he is, and the ability to almost certainly cross the or hit the top of the list. Mm. He genuinely loves hockey, and he genuinely loves not only scoring goals himself, but seeing his teammates score goals. And that's going to be something that produces it, that allows him to keep playing, even as the team around him gets worse. Because his team is not good. See, and I thought you were going to say he liked to drop other Russians with one punch. He's not even really a fighter. I mean, does, does he even? No, have but what? No, but when Svechnikov tried to get step in, step up to him, he dropped him like a bad habit. So, <laughs> Svechnikov would have gotten dropped by almost anyone at that point. But yes, that was Svech is not a tiny. He's not a tiny kid. Svech has got some heft. He, he might not be six five and whatever, but Svech is Svech is not like some five eleven, one hundred seventy pound kid. But Ovi's not a fighter, though. I understand. It's that. like but it's like Patrice Ovi Bergeron has, can hit you, but he's not a fighter. Clearly, Ovi has some strength. Then. Well, that's <laughs> that's one of the most obvious statements of the decade, Chris. <laughs> yes, I understand that. But he draw. I, I mean, to know that he has that in his back pocket, yes, he's not a fighter. But to know that he has that kind of strength in his back pocket, I mean, you you look at the numbers, you look at the fact that. The most games he's missed in a season is 10. Uh, so he's never been, uh, and knock on, you know, as they say, touch wood in England, knock on wood here in America. You know, he's never had any kind of lengthy time off, any kind of serious injury. Um, damn. And you look so, at his points per season and... He's always within a handful of points of number of games played. If he hasn't, if he hasn't surpassed them, so, so yeah. At the current, at the current pace, yes. Ovechkin will score forty-four goals this season. Okay. Um, that's uh, with seven goals scored. Uh, that's thirty-seven more goals this year. Bringing the total, what? So that's actually a reasonable number. It's not like somebody, it's not like somebody who scored two goals in the very first game of the year and everybody goes, he's on pace to score 164 goals. That means he only only needs to only needs to average 35 goals over the two seasons following this to hit. Well, 35 and a half goals each of the next two seasons. Well, the half goals to hit the top of the list. Doable. Like people were pro- were trying to project four years ago that he'd have to hit, score 30 goals a season for like five more years or 25 goals a season because once he hit 35, he was going to fall off a cliff. And yep, last year, 77 games, 50 goals. That's that's a shocking cliff. Age 35. Mm-hmm. I I would like to have that sort of cliff uh, myself. The mind boggles. Um, 
It does boggle the mind. I did. What is this visitor conditions in Arizona thing? I've been dying to ask you this question. Uh, our good friends at PHNX uh, underscore coyotes on Twitter have a video and a article detailing the conditions for visitors out in Arizona. Uh, right now, as we all know that they've got the, uh, they're playing in a college town or in a college arena arena. And they basically, if any of you have been to like a mid tier science fiction, fantasy media, manja con, something like that. And seeing those large black cloth dividers between areas. <laughs> yep. That's basically what's going on for visiting visitor space for the first four games in in Vegas. Or I'm sorry, for the Coyotes. So, so four games of no locker room, dressing room type area. Like literally worse than having your kids dressing your kids in the stands at the local ice arena. Okay. This is people wonder why other non hockey fans, fans of other leagues, laugh at the NHL, and it's because this sort of buffoonery. Move is allowed to take place. I don't. Uh, You're talking more primitive conditions than the outdoor games well away from anything. Like like no. Tahoe probably had actual real locker rooms for the players. This stuff? It, you did kind of bury part of the lead. I mean, this is only for four games at a place called the mullet arena, by the way. Yes, it is only four games, yeah. but it's still happening. It shouldn't you're still happen. Making, you're still making NHL players show up and not even get dressed in a barn because those have solid walls. It, you're making them get dressed behind like gauze. I don't, I, I, I I I run out of comments for the Arizona franchise. I mean, it all started the the, the downhill all started when you got rid of John Jacobs or when he decided to leave because you forced him out. Whatever you want to say, it probably started before then with new ownership that has difficulty or accepting the fact that they actually have to pay their bills and on time. On time, yes, on time is a good one. Uh, the fact that you have to, you know, pay people to work and the fact that, you know, yeah. <laughs> Move this poverty franchise already. I just, it, I don't, I'm speechless if that's possible. I, if I do start, it's going to be like a long string of, of cuss words that we're not allowed to say and or we try to refrain from saying, I I mean, you just look at these conditions, and if you can't, if you don't want to both laugh and cry at the same time, you're not, like, a real hockey fan. You're not a grown-up. 
and I don't know. Yes, they're all really well paid and suffering a little bit for one game because none of the players are going to be there for more than one day um, because it's four different opponents. But you're still bringing a hugely negative spotlight to the team and the league. And let's face it, ECHL teams, college teams, high school teams all have actual facilities that are better than this. I just, I, yeah, I, and I don't understand how you, other franchises are coming in and they've got to be just laughing at Arizona ownership that this is, I mean, they're, they're not happy about the sit, not happy about the conditions, but to sit there and think that an NHL franchise, a National Hockey League franchise, has this as their solution for their building issues. Are you kidding me? You are National Hockey League franchise, and this is how you handle the situation. Ah. Uh, I just, no, I can't. I mean, you're talking. It's the middle of an arena with, mm-hmm. as I said, black gauze hanging off of aluminum rods that any three year old could tip over without trying, separating these players while they're in various states of dress uh, from the public eye. How did this not get shut down by the NHL before it happened? Mm. Gary Bettman insists and won't seem to do anything to change the fact that he wants a franchise in Arizona. I'm okay with a franchise in Arizona. If they want to put a franchise in Nome, Alaska, I'm okay with it. As long as they can actually look like a professional organization. I understand that, but Batman has, Batman has been willing to accept whatever crap situation is going on in Arizona so that he can say he has a franchise in Arizona. They told him he couldn't have a fran- an NHL franchise in the desert. Well, he's going to do it. Okay. Except that that franchise is an embarrassment to the rest of the NHL. And maybe you should do something about it. Nope. Going to have an NHL franchise in the air, in the desert. This this franchise has been an embarrassment to professional sports in North America. Not before they moved to the area. And no, they no, they had some good years in the desert under. But it's been like twelve years of yes. rotating ownership, league ownership, insolvency, um, all sorts of. General managers playing the numbers game can't get to the cap floor. That they're the reason we have a cap floor. Uh, yeah, no. It, yeah, I I agree. They've been an embarrassment for a long time now, and and Batman does need to do something. Change I don't know. Change ownership. Change location. Both. There's there's got to be a better solution than what they're dealing with right now. <sighs> Uh, I think we have covered just about everything for the show. Uh, oh, no, we have to bring it full circle. We started with the Penguins. 
Oh, yes. The chrysalid. Uh, actually, before we get to that, because we do actually still have time. Okay. Um, those of you who didn't see it, um, the Florida Panthers and Los Angeles Kings had a tiny little get together um, of a game the other night. And believe it or not, believe it or not, mm-hmm. Kachuk and a Kings player had a disagreement. A Kings player who shall remain nameless? A Kings player who looks a lot like the goaltender who was visibly enjoying himself during a cup celebration a few years ago. Uh-huh. Um, apparently, it, according to the announcers, and I'm not 100% sure I buy it, but the reaction sort seems to line up with it. Uh, Kachuk had been in front of the in front of the uh, in front of the net for the Kings as play as a play was winding down, mm-hmm. and his stick made contact with uh, Quick's uh, Quick's helmet uh, and cage. Uh, that's a no no. And it ruffled some feathers, as the kids say, and by kids I mean mostly people over sixty. Um, no, you, you, you're aware that Matthew Kachuk's best friend is like on the LA Kings, right? But in, in fact, this was not a Kachuk, uh, Dowdy meeting. This was a Kachuk King meeting. Wow. And yeah, they ended up, uh, exchanging not hugs and not hugs. Uh, yes, definitely not hugs um, around the net as things uh, as things went by. A couple of people have described it as a cheap shot. It does not appear that his stick actually went through uh, the cage, which I kind of think they should probably be made to prevent as a standard, but whatever. Um, and... So who threw the cheap shot? Oh, no, no. They're calling the stick to the to the helmet a cheap shot, even though even though Quick was down on the ice and and Kachuk's stick had been right around ice level even prior to contact or more than two, three seconds prior to contract. And he was in contact with uh, some defenders. But. I, uh, but it's a cheap shot. <sighs> Not perspective is everything. Point of view means a lot. Yes. Objectivity is according to, the, according to this photo. Drew Doughty is on the ice. So Doughty was involved in, in this Kachuk issue, but he wasn't primary in it. Ah, uh, which is un- which is actually unusual when it comes to Matthew Kachuk. Because so. literally, Drew Doughty could not stand the sight of Matthew Kachuk. It is hilarious. Yes. Like, literally, genuinely hilarious. Um, so look for those games, uh, any future games that they have to be warm and fuzzy as well. And uh, we started with the Penguins. We'll finish with the Penguins. I asked during the 
I asked during the Penguins Bruins game the other night, is Chris Letang going into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Um, apparently, opinions differ uh, between. Uh, this was more divided than I was expecting. Um, opinions differ. Forty-six point two percent said no, and fifty-three point eight percent said yes. Are incorrect. Okay. Uh, I would have to agree that the yes voters are incorrect because while he is a member of the triple gold, having the junior hockey world, uh, junior hockey Olympics and um, Stanley Cup, Mm -hmm. was he ever one of the five best players on any of those on the junior team or the Olympic team? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. I don't see one for for individual awards in the NHL. Uh, Bupkis. I don't believe uh, that. I believe it's Bupkis. Pretty sure it's Bupkis. Well, hold on. I'm pulling up the. No, no, no. I I, I know it's Bupkis. He has some team awards uh, for the NHL. Sorry about the coughing. Um, So as I was saying. You went to the Bupkis website, yes. Yes, the Bupkis website known as Wikipedia, uh, and looked at the awards section. He does have a Michel Briere Rookie of the Year award from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, And a Pittsburgh Penguins Defensive Player of the Year award, not once, but twice in 2015 and 2016. Okay, see... I went to an actual, not just Bupkis website, an actual hockey website called Hockey Reference, and they don't report those things. So according to this, he only has a, he's only a two-time cup winner and a two-time all-star. Three-time cup winner, 09, 16, and 17. No, according according to Hockey Reference, two-time cup winner. Uh, did the I'm pretty certain they won in oh nine. Oh eight oh nine. Uh, I don't know. I thought they did as well, but it says two time cup winner. I don't make up the stats. Yep, Pittsburgh won that year, and Mister Latang was in fact on the roster, which means that. Uh, hockey reference needs to make that update. No, maybe they're incorrect. Maybe they should start following the Michelle Briere or whatever it was rookie of the year for Pittsburgh award. And did he not? Uh, I know that Chris Letang, I'm fairly certain that Chris Letang had some extensive injuries that season because that seems to be part of his MO. Um, He played in 74 games that season. I'm just trying to figure out if he actually played in the playoffs or not. Uh, yeah, he played in 23 games that year in the playoffs. Not yeah. sure how they missed it. So Stanley, well, they're listing him as having two Stanley Cups, 08-09 and 15-16. Interesting. But did they not win another one? Yeah, uh, 16, uh, they won in 09, 16, and 17 with, uh... 
one of those years, I think Chris Letang didn't play in the playoffs, but he played enough regular season games well, to qualify. Not, did they not play? Did he not play in sixteen seventeen? Because there are no stats listed for him in sixteen seventeen. His stats go fifteen sixteen, and then seventeen eighteen. Was he out for the whole season? I don't believe it was the whole season. Um, well, he didn't play in the playoffs either, so. Oh, no, 16-17. Games played, 41. Was he not around? What the hell's going on here? They, like, eliminated his playoff stats from. It, the 41 games is the minimum cutoff if you play in the regular season to get counted. And I suspect that someone entered it wrong in the hockey reference uh, cut. Okay. Either way, he did play play 41 games in the 16-17 season. Yeah, five goals, 29 assists, 34 points. But it doesn't show any playoff stats for 16-17 for him. I believe that's when I don't think he played in the playoffs that year. But back to the overall awards. Yes, he has those marvelous three individual team awards. He did, in fact, play two NHL Young Star games in the 08 and 09 seasons. Very, very important. And he is a six-time All-Star. Uh, All-Star game. Or he's played in the All-Star game six times. And a NHL second team All-Star twice. But no individual no major individual awards at the NHL level. I mean, the closest uh, he's come to a Norris is he was he had he came in third in the Norris voting in twelve thirteen, and then he came in fourth. In, then he came in fourth in Norris voting in fifteen sixteen. Uh, yeah, I think it's way too high as well. I'm not sold on it. I don't think he makes it. I mean, yes. Two or three cup wins, whichever one you want to go with, count it, don't count it. I, you know, name on the cup, name not on the. I don't think that that's enough. There's not enough, and I know it shouldn't be about individual stats, but to me, there's not enough individual stuff there, and I'm not sold on how great of a defenseman he was. Sorry. I don't think he. I don't think he does. I, I don't think he gets in. Longevity may get him in, but he's not even in a thousand games yet, and he's played for seventeen years. Yeah, it's that injury history that does a lot of damage. I mean, you look at all of the injuries Patrice Bergeron has had, and he's well over a thousand games. You look at the injuries that Sidney Crosby has had, and he's well over a thousand games. Um, I I couldn't vote for him against almost any class of players expected to go in uh, in any given se- in any given uh, any given Hall of Fame year. Now, do I think these numbers are going to be in the Raptors in Pittsburgh like 10 minutes after he retires? Probably. Well, I think so, considering Mario wouldn't let him be traded. I think that his number is going to be hanging up there if Mario has anything to say about it. And I 
look, I do, given how many games he'll have played with the Penguins, um, and if he's reasonably healthy, he'll cross that thousand game mark this season. He's at 952 today. Um, so, you know, 48 more games on top of the 11 to date. That's 60 or so games, 70 games. Mm-hmm. Not undoable. He's played 149 playoff games in that uniform. You want to put him in the in the Raptors in Pittsburgh? Rock on. I'll come and cheer. Um, but as far as Hall of Fame, no 20 goal seasons as uh, as a defenseman. No individual awards. Never like even if he had a con Smythe, I would start considering it. But yeah, no, it doesn't. No, I, I just can't get behind it. Um, at some point in this week, I'll probably put up one or two more polls. You can always uh, check my Twitter profile and I will uh, talk to you all next week. Chris. I just uh, enjoy the hockey. We got a bunch of games coming up. Uh, going to be entertaining to watch. So we'll speak to you again next week. Absolutely. Take care and uh, enjoy the hockey. Mm-hmm.